there has been something I've been wanting to share for a while. And so today is the day that I want to do that with you. This episode is called Coming Out of the Dark. And the reason it's called Coming Out of the Dark is because for four years now, it actually a little bit more than that, I have felt like I have been in the grip of darkness. Now, not all the time, yet this darkness, it's like what we hear about the dark night of the soul. It's a a place where it feels like you're in the abyss. And in the abyss, it's not necessarily a bad place, even though we think that it is, and it can feel like we're going to never get out of it. But it's not depression. It's not like that. It is a place of integration. It's a place of shedding. It's a place of letting go. It's a place of transition. And we don't do transition well. And of course, I'm just like a lot of you. I, I do struggle with change like all of us humans do. And this transition was a very deep one for me. And so I want to share with you what that was like for me, and maybe you can relate, and how getting down the other side of it has been amazing, especially as I look back. Because, you know, looking back, we have 2020 vision. And when we're in it, we can't see it all. So bear with me as I, as I share with you some things, and I'm hoping you can relate. Hi, I'm Brenda Reese, freedom and forgiveness coach, and a person just like you that is learning to navigate life and all of its challenges. I teach a forgiveness process like no other. It's a blend of practical and spiritual forgiveness. This process guides you into knowing how unforgiveness can be keeping you stuck in your relationships, both personally and professionally, and how it prevents you from releasing resentment and finding joy. Each week, I share practical and some not-so-practical tips, tools, and advice from myself and other people that are on this journey just like us. This is for you if you are ready to turn your pain into peace. Welcome to the Forgive Yourself Podcast. When I talk about coming out of the dark, it is a deep place of contemplation of where I felt alone. I felt a lot of deep emotion, and I'm going to tell you why. I've shared on this podcast before with you as um, like several times about finding out about the vascular dementia with my husband. And when I was doing some work around this over the last few years, it really started right before. Now, he had already been in the throes of the vascular dementia, but before we found out about it. So I knew things were changing and I couldn't get him to go to the doctor. And I, But my gut knew, my instinct knew something was going on. And it also put me into this place of there's something wrong. What if something happens? 
And I was also going through this. It was before, it was 2019. And I was really looking at who am I? Where am I going? How am I going to get there? And who do I need to become to be that person? I had stepped back a little bit from the business right before 2020 hit, not knowing that I was feeling this coming on. A lot of us did, and we just didn't know it. And it was this amazing depth of grief, of sadness, of not knowing which way to go. It was feeling like, you know, those bathroom floor moments where, and I know you can relate to this, where you're, it's a gut-wrenching, deep, emotional pain. Like somebody's reaching in and pulling out your guts or pulling out your heart. And, and I don't say this, um, hopefully to activate anyone. I just want you to know that I feel it too. I couldn't be sharing with you today or at all if I haven't gone through what you have gone through or are going through. In this time of when 2020 hit, I kind of went into a fight or flight like a lot of us did. And it really activated me and the issues around control the issues around isolation, the issues around abandonment and rejection, issues about not being connected and, and who am I if I don't have my vices, right? If I, if I couldn't do my usual busyness, if I couldn't do my, you know, I could contact people, yet for a while there, there wasn't this ability to have these deep conversations like I was used to, right? Maybe you felt that too because we all went into shock over it. And then there was the division that was happening that I was watching. And during that time, I was able to step forward with the forgiveness, even amongst my pain, and offer a way for us to, to look at this global event and bring some sort of understanding and peace around ourselves and other people. Yet it was during this time that I found out when my husband had had this stroke. And finally, we were realizing what it was because it doesn't show up as a, a, a what you call as a normal stroke, the signs that they tell you to watch for. This was just like one of those sugar dropping, you know, experiences where you just get a little fuzzy headed um, when, you know, a lot of people who have a great metabolism, the sugar will drop. Yet it was a stroke. And finally, I I made that ultimatum and I said, no, either we're going or I'm done because so many things had been happening. And we started on this journey of discovery, which I thought was just about him, but it was about me too. When we started to rule out Parkinson's and because, you know, there was a lot that he had going on that mimicked that. We started that way. Then we went into the MRIs and found out he had an AFib and then found out, you know, he's had 12 strokes or more. 
and it affected all over the brain. And he wasn't able to be there for me like he had been. The partnership that I knew was gone. The ability to talk things out wasn't there. The physical was still there at the time, even though that has diminished over the last few years. And just grieving is what I found that I was doing. And a girlfriend helped me understand anticipatory grief, which we've talked about in another episode. So she helped me understand this anticipatory grief. And and that's where, you know, we're going through the grieving process while that person is still with us or alive. We're anticipating. Our body prepares us for this. And it is gut-wrenching. It is where you just don't know, you know, what's going on, where you're at. I was crying a lot. I was angry. I was feeling like, how dare you? I was mad at him at first, and then I'm mad at the whole dementia issue. Um, I was still young. We were only really not married very long. And he was so vibrant and alive. And it just was taken away. And so that's what the anticipatory grief was about, was grieving what could have been, grieving what was, and trying to find somewhere in the middle. And I remember praying for the ability to, I kept saying, I just want to be nice. I was being like mean to myself. I was being, I wasn't not nice to him, but I was being angry with myself. Like, why didn't I see this? Where did this come from? How come I didn't know? Do you see this? Where we take it internally and we make it about ourselves because it is a sense of the illusion of control. The illusion of control. And that's what I was doing. And so, you know, the grief, I want to share with you what grief can do. Grief can feel isolating. And that's what it felt. So we were already going through kind of an isolating period. And then it was doubled. So I felt isolated. And it hit these waves. It feels like waves of the ocean, right? It crashes in and then it goes out and it crashes in and goes out. And there's so many experiences that you feel in one day that it feels hard to manage and it's all consuming. And the, the also grief messes with our brain. It's real. You know, like they call menopausal brain or, you know, when you're tired brain or an addictive brain, it feels fuzzy, hard to put thoughts together. It takes every effort you can to just focus. (laughs) It's real. And I didn't have as much patience. I was tired. I was exhausted. Okay, so that's what grief does. That That's just part. That's real. I learned that in the grief educator course that I took last year to understand my own grief and to help others with theirs because it was a very deep, transformative experience. Not all negative, just very transformative. 
So this entered, I entered into this dark night of the soul, and it wasn't my first, because I, we, I don't think we have just one. Whenever we're going through deep change, it'll happen. And so what I learned to do was I learned to reach out. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know this was a new situation for both my husband and myself. We were starting to experience all these, what they call secondary losses of the communication piece, right? And of the not being able to go for daily walks like we did together. The connection was being severed. And I found myself saying, no one asked me. No one thought to even ask me if this is what I wanted. And it, because it felt so sudden. And these are just experiences that are okay to have. And this is why I'm sharing this with you. Because while it's heart-wrenching, while it's hard to go through, we have all experienced some sort of bathroom floor moment or several. And it's okay. And I'm going to encourage you to reach out to a few trusted friends, to a therapist, to a coach, someone that can help guide you along the way, because we do not have to fall into addictive behaviors. We do not have to, to kind of numb the pain, right? We don't have to do that. We have a choice. And especially when we have people around us that can help us, even if we have to pay for it. And I had two girlfriends in particular that really guided me through that time period. And one had gone through, well, both of them had gone through a, a dementia experience with parent and her parent-in-law. And that was super helpful. Now, they had not gone through it with a spouse. And that is different. I've gone through it with a parent, but going through it with a spouse seemed to hit me deeper. Now, I'm not disregarding, I'm not, please, I'm not dismissing the pain that it feels going through this experience with, you know, with a parent. But I'm going to talk to you from a spouse. And because all of my dreams were gone, all of my foundation of what we were building together was gone. And we don't have that with parents. My dreams were gone shattered of what I thought was going to be. Now I'm in the midst of it, right? I'm in the midst of, of kind of trying to reorient. And I've also been invited. So this is how I look at it now. Not at the time. At the time I was cussing and screaming. I was throwing tantrums and I was madder than a hornet at the situation. And I, I got to share with my friends, which was so good to be in a place of non-judgment where they just held the space for me and let me cry and let me talk and let me say it's not fair. And they got it. Now, having someone to do that with so that you're not doing it with your partner <laughs> is really helpful. So this way it helped me show up for my partner in a more loving way because I had an avenue to to speak my hurt and my pain because there's no way that he could have understood it. Like, and that was another loss because how many of us that have partnerships 
you know, go to our partner to give us hugs and to hold us and understand us when we're, when we're trying to figure out things or we're going through some emotional experiences. I didn't have that anymore. And in the midst of all this, you know, he took a fall and decided because we lived in a beautiful home that he had built and on some acreage and he realized then he could no longer take care of it. And it was a, it was just divinely timed um, as far as putting the house on the market. And so we started to pack and, and he couldn't do it. There's certain things that he could do physically, like he could take things to the dump or goodwill, but the sorting and the deciding and the getting help, realtors, all of those things, he really wasn't able to do, which also was another loss for me because he handled all that. He handled all the outside stuff and he handled the decisions. He, I mean, he built a house for gosh sake. He built apartment complexes. He had, was a master builder and now he couldn't. And so for me, it was all of these losses. It's a daily loss. Every day was a loss. And I remember going outside and just screaming to the universe and really feeling like this was happening to me, not for me. And, and if you know my work, <laughs> forgiveness is about looking at life as happening for you, not to you, but I was in the depth and I had to allow myself to be there. I got to allow myself to be there. And even though I wanted out of it, I knew I had to be there until I wasn't going to be there anymore. Now, this is a big experience. This is not simple. Grief has no timeline. And it's like heartbreak has no timeline. And we can't force it to be done. But what we can do is help ourselves along the way. One, by reaching out and getting some help from some people, supportive, non-judgment, whether that's a therapist, a coach, friend. And the other thing is allowing yourself to feel because this one loss for me was not this, this one loss. This loss brought up the other losses and this is what I learned. And so it brought up all these little nigglies or all these little dust bunnies, I call them, that had not been quite completed yet from my mother's death, uh, from my father's death, from uh, my, you know, alcoholic days, from all the things that I thought that I had done wrong. There's all these grief and losses, divorces, bankruptcies. That's what I've all experienced along with the abuse. So I've had these little losses coming up and, and it seemed overwhelming. And that's a lifesaver to me was to reach out and then be able to take some action allow myself to feel the feelings, be able to cry, be able to um, take a tennis racket to my bed when I was feeling angry, screaming into the pillow, and then going and hugging a tree, going for a walk, crying, and then getting back to the action. So we did this move in five weeks. And this house that he had lived in for 50 years I lived in for almost 10. We did it in six weeks. It was five to six weeks, I believe. And, you know, not only that, but we bought another house. 
sold our house and moved. And that was another life-changing experience. All the while, too, was traveling was our big deal together. We traveled well together, and, and we took a trip after that, after we moved, and to kind of settle back down, and there was another loss. The traveling really threw him off, and he wasn't quite able to be present, um, and his walking was being affected. As we now know, he has a Parkinsonian syndrome, so it affects his walking and his trembling hands. But we didn't know that at the time. But it was another loss because we couldn't walk. You know, we went to Hawaii and in our favorite place where we got married, and we weren't able to share those moments. It took him three or four days to even be present there. And then a couple days there, but we still couldn't do the things that we normally did. And then coming home, it took a couple weeks after that for him to kind of rally. And so it was a constant readjustment of my feelings, of my thoughts, of taking on more and more of the responsibility of handling not only my own self, but the household, and now care for him. The caregiving for him is also another loss. While he could dress himself and feed himself and and that sort of thing, so I'm blessed for that, it was the fact he couldn't help me put a doorknob on. He couldn't help me pick out things for the backyard. He couldn't help me to just do this simple day-to-day things. I had to hire a handyman to, to help out and be available. You know, like in a partnership, one of you could be available while the other one's working or doing things. And, and he started to not be able to do that this last year. And so it has been, it's, it's a strange experience. I'm trying to put into words what it's like. And I, and I want to share this about caregiving and dementia. Dementia isn't just a solid decline. With the vascular dementia, it goes up and down and up and down. And it's amazing to me the things he remembers and it's amazing the things he can comprehend and then not. And, but, you know, we've had this time together, which is really important um, now. And I, I've come to this place of acceptance. And it took several years to get here and work. It was very conscious work. A lot of it is grief needs to be witnessed. Grief needs to be talked about in a safe space until you're ready to not talk about it. Grief needs to be heard. If it, you know, it's like when you, a lot of us don't know we are a very grief illiterate nation and it's like it's taboo to talk about but we need to talk about it it's so important to talk about because we experience it every freaking day not just in a medical or a health situation not even in my relationship situation but every single day there's a huge connection between grief and forgiveness and Because every day we're experiencing losses, and if we don't consciously acknowledge them, then they're going to build up, and they're going to blow, 
So that's when I said all those dust bunnies from before, if we're not able to process them, allowing ourselves to process them, feel the feelings, talk about it, and then take some action on it, then they're going to kind of explode. If we cover it up like I did, I did in my younger years, I covered it up with alcohol and shopping and men and covered up all those feelings until, you know, over a decade ago when I started to do the inner work really intentionally. And that's when the volcano got to blow, but I was able to have tools to help it instead of sideswiping me and wiping me out and me falling deeper into the addictive cycle. I was able to draw on the tools. So when I went through this experience with my husband, I had the tools and I knew Yet I was, I was still, you know, I'm, I was in resistance because it's not what I wanted to have happen. I, d- I didn't want that to happen. And yet I got to a point of what do I have control over? Me. What can I do to accept the situation? Learn from it, grow through it, be supportive. For whatever he's learning through it too, because I really believe in that. That we never go through a situation without it having a reason or a purpose. So for the caregivers of partners, I want to share this. I want to say that I, I see you and I hear you because you know I was reading all these books. <laughs> about dementia and caregiving, right? Because when I when I go through an experience, I educate myself and bringing in, trying to find all the information. And I kept reading these books and hearing these YouTubes and all this stuff about be kind. You know, you need to not, you know, not let them know that you're upset and and just really take care of them. Well, that is true. What about me? What about my feelings? What about my losses? Who is witnessing that? I got to witness my partner and try to make sure everything's okay. Because you know, I'm a mom. And so it's like taking care of kids all over, but you have a different perception, right? As an adult, as a partner, you're looking at a full-grown adult who's not able to act like an adult make decisions like an adult. So you're thrown back to motherhood, but you're a spouse at the same time. So there's this incongruency in our psyche that is one of the things that was causing this uh, grief. Because we have different expectations, right, of ourselves and partnership as adults than we do as a mom or dad taking care of our kids. So I know I'm a little all over the place, but I wanted to say I, I, I needed to get this out because I, I want you to know that I go through it too. And there's a reason I do forgiveness coaching. I have a lifetime of forgiveness opportunities. I have a lifetime of things that I've now look back and that I get to forgive. And I've been working on that for quite some time. And This caregiving for my husband is one of the deepest growth opportunities I've ever experienced. And now I'm at a place, and have been for quite a while, of the ability 
to be in acceptance, like I said, and be able to know that I can't fix change or heal it. I can't. I'm not in control of that process like I thought I could. (laughs) I'm not in control of it, but I am in control of me. I gave myself the outlet of screaming and not at him. Of course, I want to correct that, not at him. But being able to scream and cry, feel all the feelings, and then also reach out. Huge. Again, grief needs to be witnessed. All the while, you know, I kept sharing, I kept knowing that this is a one of the deepest forgiveness processes I've ever done. I have walked through the shadows of hell and came out just like I have done before. We are beautiful, resilient beings as long as I'm willing to acknowledge that and not allow myself to stay in victim. But it was victim energy that I had to be in for a while. I had to figure out where am I at in this situation? Who am I becoming through it? Who do I want to become through it? And who in my circle can provide the guidance to walk with me through it? Because I'm not meant to walk through it alone. So I was able to share my grief, share my story, and share my desire to who I want to become on the other side of it. And what I've become on the other side of this, I'm I'm not through it 100%, right? There's different levels and different layers, as we've heard. And I'm not all the way through it. But I'm feeling like I'm coming out of the dark on this deep, deep, deep journey. And who I am now is not who I'm going to be in a month from now or three months from now. What I'm going to be, I don't know. But what I can tell you today is I am much more compassionate for myself. I'm oh, am I so compassionate with others and with my husband and the family because that was hard for them. My empathy has grown. My discernment for myself and others has grown. Boundaries are much more prevalent and easier to make around my time, around my energy, around who I spend time with and who not, because that was really valuable. Trying to fit everybody in, being codependent, try to please everybody was a big theme in my life until doing this inner work. What else I've become is I've known myself on a deeper level. I've gotten to see my true resilience. I've gotten to see the reason why I'm here. And I've gotten to see, feel, know, taste, touch the fact that I am doing what I meant to do. And I meant to share this with you. My hope is that sharing with this has helped. You know you're not alone. Because that's one of the things, remember, that grief can do. And we're all grieving what's going on in the world and with ourselves 
and in our relationships. So thank you for being here and for listening. And I hope that something in this um, has helped someone because I, I want to start sharing more about how forgiveness is important in everything that we do, especially in grief. So I'm with you. You matter to me. And I thank you. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy it, would you do me a favor and share this episode and then follow us on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss one episode of the Forgive Yourself podcast, where every Friday you will get tips, tools, and stories so that you can turn your pain into peace. Take care.